Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Thanks for joining us today. Well, today we're discussing retail and retail real estate. We will look at ways retailers and landlords can maximize leasing strategies. We'll look at the state of the retail investment market, and we'll look at some best practices to sell retail properties. Please welcome my first guest, Dan Fasulo, Managing Director, Real Capital Analytics. Real Capital Analytics provides transaction intelligence, trends, and tools for the global investment real estate market. Dan, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Michael. Well, Dan, how did real estate, retail real estate sales volume and cap rates end up in 2013? 2013 was a great year, Michael. Uh, we recorded about $60 billion, uh, worth of uh, uh, retail sales uh, throughout the year across the country. That was up about, about 7% year over year. Uh, not the best performing overall versus some of the other property sectors. Uh, but but certain segments of the of the market, like strip centers, uh, did outperform. Uh, actually, the sale of strip centers was up 26 percent year over year. And that's great. And and what do you see for cap rates? You know, this this recovery um, uh, wasn't even uh, over the last few years, and, and retail I, I have to say was one of the laggards at least kind of your bread and butter strip center. Um, so this, this significant spread opened up between, you know, let's, let's say multifamily central business district office and then some of the other property sectors. And, and that spread really drew capital to retail uh, over this past year. Um, and we did see some nice cap rate compression, um, you know, down you know, 20, 30 basis points uh, throughout the year. Um, and keep that into context as well. That that you know twenty thirty basis point decline is with the kind of hundred basis points pop we've got in, in interest rates. Yeah, that's interesting. So so what are some cap rate uh, examples for say a Class A core asset or or maybe even a B retail strip center somewhere? You know, nationwide caps are, are averaging around seven percent mm-hmm. um, for your kind of core. Uh, uh, class A property um, uh, that many of your viewers deal with, um, you know, you're looking at 6% or, or below in some of the major markets around the country. Yeah, that's great. It's good to see that uh, retail's coming back. And so institutional participants, uh, they, are they also, uh, they like retail now? They're not afraid of it anymore? They're, they're looking for that yield? Well, uh, you know, what, what's amazing to me, and, and a real sign that the, the market has gotten healthy again, is the, the, the diversity of, of participants uh, out there acquiring properties now. You know, it's not just one capital group. Um, it, it's, it, it, we're really seeing action from a whole host of different parties, including uh, the institutional investors, uh, like pension funds and insurance companies that have returned, uh, but also from, from, from REITs, uh, both the public REITs and the, the private REITs, which have been gobbling up, uh, you know, smaller single-tenant properties around the country. And then, you know, partly fueled by the resurgence in the CMBS space, the private investors are back uh, in a big way. You know, this was a group um, uh, more locally based that, you know, was having trouble accessing uh, debt capital 
uh, a couple of years ago. You know, we, we talked about it on this, this very program. Yeah, that's interesting. And we're talking with Dan Fasulo, Managing Director with Real Capital Analytics, about retail investment properties. And, uh, well, so what do you expect moving forward into 2014? Do you think these cap rates will remain stable because interest rates may increase a little bit, or do you expect a little more compression? So, so no one's going to bet that, that interest rates are, are going to go down this year. So in that context, you know, there's going to be some headwinds against you know, ever uh, compressing cap rates. You know, that said, you know, uh, yields for retailers still attractive um, versus some of the other property sectors. You know, we're seeing all-time record low cap rates for for multifamily right now. And, you know, uh, the higher yields in retail are going to continue to attract capital, uh, both on the equity and debt side. Um, and, And, you know, in my experience, when capital is hitting your segment of the market, you know, your prices are going up. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think this, the real story for 2013 was um, the expansion of capital from kind of the primary markets um, to, to basically uh, everywhere around the country uh, and, and also into, you know, your more uh, challenged uh, uh, properties, you know, uh, properties that needed work, lease-up uh, type of uh, uh, strategies implemented. Um, I expect that, um, you know, spreading out of capital to only accelerate in 2014. And I, I think many owners that have been waiting for that, that capital uh, to come ever since the, the financial crisis uh, uh, could be in, in pretty good shape this year. So it sounds to me that that you feel that cap rates could compress a little, possibly for retail in 2014. It's not the uh, the common view, but I'm going to go out on a little limb here and say that we will see some additional cap rate compression. Um, you know, in spite of a you know a slightly higher rate environment. Well, it makes sense because it, it seems to have the best cap rates for for a buyer than than the other sectors right now and i'd much rather have a six cap in a retail property than a four cap on an apartments i think remember Uh, too too michael you know uh, our our fundamentals rents and and vacancies for retail haven't fully recovered yet like they have for for multifamily Um, so we have you know there's certainly room to run on the, the noi side um, and, and that could be, you know, somewhat of a, a counterbalance to higher uh, interest rates. Right. Yeah. There's still great upside on a lot of the retail properties. That's a good point because uh, our rates, just our rental rates, aren't aren't really where they they, they might in the rates might go up a lot in the next couple of years. I mean, there's been such a lack of new construction uh, that could really help. And and you talked about secondary markets and tertiary markets. You're really you're seeing more activity there. Do you expect that to continue? Absolutely. I mean, that, that's. You know that that was where the big gains in investment activity were, um, you know, year over year. Uh, you know, places like you know Las Vegas, um, uh, uh, Phoenix. You know, uh, uh, even you know places in the Midwest like like Columbus, Ohio, uh, Texas has been really hot. Um, you know, actually all through the Sun Belt, we've seen you know big gains in, in activity. Uh, whereas you know the the major markets have been you know, relatively, you know, flat year over year and have almost basically recovered to their, you know, uh, pre-downturn uh, uh, levels of activity. 
you know, part of the issue in the major markets is, uh, you know, we're hearing it from our investor clients, is just the lack of supply on the market to buy. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and you mentioned these markets uh, doing better. So is there any distress left in the market out there? You know, we're certainly moving into the, the later innings of the distress cycle. Um, according to our stats, um, we're about uh, a little under 70% worked out, you know, um, of the trouble. Uh, the remaining uh, def- uh, loans that have defaulted are, 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 are mostly with CMBS lenders. Um, you know, about you know, two-thirds of the uh, distressed loans are with CMBS, and uh, I'm sure you've dealt with that, that backlog uh, in the past. Um, so I, I'd say we're in the, the, the seventh inning of the ball game, uh, if you will. And, you know, uh, um, you know, from the you know, percentage of, of distressed sales as a percentage of the overall market, you know, we're down below 10%. So we're well past the, the point where these distressed properties uh, are having a, a, material, a material impact on the investment market. You know, they could be causing some local you know, space market issues, but uh, on the investment side, that, the game is pretty much up. I see. Okay. Well, where do you see some uh, opportunities in the marketplace? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, the, the investors that have the, the teams on the ground that can really reposition uh, a, a property, you know, um, 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 given as a capital, you know, uh, uh, execute a lease up strategy, and then you know exit and sell to those, you know, institutional investors that are, are, are waiting uh, for the pretty assets. I mean, that's the play in 2014. It's 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 that part of the cycle. Um, I, I think uh, if you're going, if bull charging into, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, cla- uh, core. Uh, properties with fixed income over the next five years. Uh, I think those are the assets that could get hit the highest, uh, the hardest in a a higher rate environment. Well said, Dan. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. For more information from Dan and Real Capital Analytics, visit rcanalytics.com. I'm Michael Bull. It's a commercial real estate show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us. Well, today we're talking about retail real estate. And uh, as a reminder, if if you'd like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate-related topics, check out our on-demand show podcast. For example, last week we covered the office sector, and the week before it we looked at commercial real estate development. There are lots of interesting shows to choose from. Grab your phone, tablet, or computer and visit iTunes or the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, please welcome my next guest, Mez Birdie, Director of Retail and Investment Services at NAI RealVest in Orlando. Mez is a CPM, a CCIM, and a past president and instructor at IRAM. Mez, thanks for joining us today. Michael, good to be on your show. Thank you. Well, thank you, Mez. And uh, I'd like to ask you. I mean, you're on the you're on the ground level there in uh, Florida. You know, what are you seeing for retail rates and occupancy trending at this point uh, in the market? Sure, Michael, you're correct. I'm where the boots on the ground, and so uh, both retail rates and uh, occupancy are uh, in not only in Florida, but I think regional wise are on the increase. 
Uh, in general, uh, retail rents or retail rates have increased uh, 2 to 4 percent over in the past 12 months. And occupancy also, while it hasn't increased up to you know, 4 percent, it has increased uh, 2 to 3 percent. So in general, the trend is up and we see it uh, continuing in uh, 2014. Well, it's interesting. So are any of the tenants uh, having a problem finding good locations? Has the lack of new construction affected that in the markets that, that you see yet, or is it still uh, they're able to find some uh, good good locations? Uh, uh, Michael, it varies by sub-markets within mm-hmm. each city. Some mm-hmm. sub-markets are strong, some are weak. Uh, and uh, uh, during the recession or the downturn, uh, most retailers were focusing on A and B centers, rightfully so because there was abundance of place and as the market has improved and economy has improved uh, a and b centers are getting filled up uh, while the c still have availability so the 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 landlords are really uh, focusing on or cherry picking if you may are focusing on national and regional tenants uh and then the mom and pops would come uh, you know after them i see and which types of tenants are most active right now uh, the dollar store and discount retailers have been the most active, really, not only right now, but for the past uh, past uh, couple years. Uh, while the economy has improved, Michael, uh, the recession has caused many shoppers, uh, many consumers to become thrifty and frugal. Uh, and we see that trend continuing while things have improved. Uh, you know, people are saving more, and when you save more, you become more thrifty and frugal in your buying. Uh, but the dollar stores and discounters have done well. And on the restaurant side, the fast casuals concepts such as Payway, Panda, Moe's, uh, they are the most active. So, uh, you know, you, you're seeing both, both restaurant and retail uh, improve at that end. I see. And what are you seeing for contraction and closing? Which, which tenants are kind of uh, contracting in this market? Uh, the middle of the road is where the contraction is, Michael. High end and low end are doing fine, both on the retail side and the restaurant side. But if you take the middle of the road retailers or what we would call the department store retailers, which would be Sears, Penny's, The Gap, uh, they have announced a store closing and, and contraction because the sales have just not been there. Uh, conversely, the high-end retailers have done well, and then, of course, the dollar stores have been the darlings of, uh, re- of uh, retail you know, during, the, during the hard times. Uh, and, and, and the same applies on the restaurant side, Michael. The, the casual dining, which is the middle-of-the-road casual dining, is weak, uh, while, again, high-end restaurants have done well, and, and the fast casuals, uh, which I mentioned earlier, are, are really doing well. I see. And how did holiday sales fare for various types of retailers? Uh, the bricks and mortar stores, which would be your normal store, whether it's a freestanding store or an inline store, sales have been up 3 to 3.5%, Michael. Mm-hmm. But e-commerce or Internet sales have been up 15% plus. So we have seen this trend now over the past few years whereby the brick and mortar stores are, you know, kind of, Holding their own, if you may, but uh, but e-commerce is really uh, really on the rise, uh, and the department stores are are suffering, while the specialty specialty retailer is really doing better. I see. What about the Hispanic market? What do you see there? I mean, that's a growing uh, area, isn't it? Absolutely, Michael. You nailed it. Uh, that's the fastest growing market, uh, not 
not only uh, you know in the southern part of the country, particularly if you, whether it's Texas or Arizona or New Mexico, uh, of course in uh, in Florida, South Florida, you have uh, you know the, the Cuban uh, and other Hispanic influences, but really uh, even throughout the nation, it's the fastest growing segment, mainly because uh, they have more more income. Uh, more income to spend, and the population is growing. Uh, so I think the the Hispanics are are taking the lead right now. But uh, in a couple years, I think the Asian, the Asian, and the South Asian uh, uh, segment or that ethnic group will also be coming up. Yeah, that's a great uh, vertical market to to look at, I believe. And uh, so, what do you see for tenant concessions right now, Mez? I mean, a lot of these tenants have been used to getting great deals and concessions from landlords. What do you see right now? What's the trend? Uh, Michael, the concessions are still there, but they have slowed down considerably. Uh, landlords are saying, look, over the past three to five years, we have taken a shellacking by giving a lot of concessions, redoing leases, redoing rents. And as the economy improves and the market firms up, some of those concessions are kind of pulling back. I'm not saying they've gone away, but certainly not to the extent that they were there, uh, you know, two, three years ago. It, the, the true answer, really, Michael, depends on the, the credit of the tenant, the credit of the retailer, or lack thereof. And what I mean by that is if you're a national or a retail tenant, landlord wants you, you've got a good balance sheet, a good financial statements, you're going to get some good concessions. If you're a mom and pop or a local retailer, whether starting out or whether you have a couple of stores and, and your balance sheet is good but not as strong, then the concessions are less because really the risk for the landlord is much more for the mom and pop tenant as opposed to a national tenant. Yeah, some things never change, right? No, and that will come. And what do you see for store sizes? Uh, you know, with the the growth in internet sales, are are more tenants uh, reducing the size of their space? Sure, uh, absolutely, uh, Michael. That really started about two years ago. You know, you've got the big Kahuna Walmart, who's superstore at one time. Uh, was over 200,000 square feet, now it's 150 or less. And then you could go down to the office supply store segment, uh, whether your Staples or Office Depot or Office Max, which are now combined. Uh, you know, the, their footprint was in the 20,000, mid 20,000, and now they're dropping down to 16 to 18,000. So, uh, reason uh, not only because of internet sales, Michael, but the retailers have to watch their occupancy costs. Right, that's a good point, Mez. Uh, retailers are concerned about their costs. We're, we're going to take a short break here. We'll stay with us. We're going to talk with Mez Birdie some more. We're going to talk about landlord leasing strategies. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. IMN, Information Management Network, has some outstanding conferences coming up. Two for the securitization industry, January 21st through 24th in Vegas, and January 27th and 29th in Dallas. For more information, visit IMN.org. That's IMN.org. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by France Media. France Media provides exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit FranceMediaInc.com or call 404-832-8262.
Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We have some great shows coming up for you, including separate shows with updates on the multifamily, industrial, and hospitality sectors. Be sure to catch shows of special interest to you. Sign up for a once-a-week email announcing the show topic at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're discussing retail and a retail real estate. My guest is Mez Birdie with NAI RealVest. And Mez, there's still a plenty of retail landlords uh, seeking good tenants. I guess all retail landlords are always doing that, right? right? So let's let's talk about some leasing strategies. What are some strategies and best practices for landlords to attract and keep these good tenants and, and increase their occupancy in their retail properties? Great question, uh, Michael. Really, the first and foremost would be uh, whether you're a mall or a shopping center, grocery anchored, or even a strip center, a great curb appeal and an attractive building facade is key. And curb appeal meaning as a shopper pulls up, they want to see attractive landscaping, well-maintained parking lot, a good facade, a good signage. So that would be the paramount. And secondly, the landlord needs to maintain the property. Parking lot needs to be swept. Uh, the lighting should be good, no potholes. Parking lot needs to be clean. Third would be, and probably also very important, would be a good tenant mix, Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good center should have a combination of retail and service-related tenants. Uh, so the, the, the shopper then has, can do some retail shopping and also get their service-related needs whether you're going uh, you know, to a pharmacy or whether you're going to your accountant, if they're there on the service side, that would help. Uh, fifth would be good reputation and credibility of the landlord. Uh, the downturn has caused many landlords to foreclose. They have had financial difficulties, so a tenant wants to make sure that the landlord is going to be around and perform what they say, and that's what I mean by reputation and credibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, six would be flexible lease terms. Uh, you know, and when times are good, landlords can say it, whether it's my way or highway, but in these times and during the difficult times of the past few years, landlords have to be flexible lease terms, whether that's number of years on the lease or whether you're giving any concessions, free rent, tenant improvements, build out, all those things uh, What is what I mean by a flexible lease terms. Uh, market rent. Landlords really need to know what the market is. You can ask for a high rent, but if you're not keeping up with the market, you're going to lose uh, lose your tenants. And that's what I mean by uh, short and long-term leases, depending on the credit of the tenant. And uh, finally, Michael, I think building relationships. Uh, a lot of retailers, and this is just not a touchy-feely thing that I'm saying, but whether you're a retailer or a restaurant or someone in business, uh, you want to build a relationship with your landlord, and I think landlords want to do the same. So landlords really are trying to be, and, and I think succeeded in being relationship-oriented as opposed to transactional-oriented, meaning just doing, not just doing a deal and be done, but uh, be concerned about the, the welfare of a retailer. If you're a big retailer, you can look after yourself, but the mom and pops need a lot of input and a lot of support from landlords. Yeah, those are very good points, Mez. And, and let's talk about the a good tenant mix because I think that's more important in a retail center than any other property sector, isn't it? Absolutely, Michael. And, uh, you know, if a center is no longer a retail center, it's changed its use. Some of the older centers 
uh, they are being occupied now by, and, I, and I'm not knocking the use, I'm just saying this is reality. If it's not a retail site, it's going to change its use. It's going to have either a municipal or a governmental office. It's going to have a church in it. It's going to have a library in it. All that is fine and good, but they're not retail uses. So if you're a true retailer or a restauranter, you want to be amongst retailers and restauranters and service users. And you, these hybrid centers, which landlords fill space to occupy the space, uh, sometimes hurts the tenants. And that's what I mean by a good tenant mix, it mixes. Each tenant needs to complement the other. Yeah, that's a very good point. And, and then a lot of uh, landlords are trying to fill space with medical tenants. How do you feel about medical tenants and tenant mix issues? Uh, that's a positive, Michael. Another good question, especially as our whole medical system changes. Uh, medical users have find out, and, and whether you're a medical clinic or, you know, if you're a freestanding, it's called dock in a box. Medical users have find out that being in a shopping center gives them the visibility they need. It also is easy for the customer to reach them. So I think medical uses are a plus, uh, not only for the retailer, but landlords also. And you're going to see more and more shopping centers have medical usage uh, in them, which, uh, which is a plus. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, Maz Birdie, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Michael, thank you for the opportunity. Always good to be with you. Well, thank you. And those were some good tips by Mez uh, to maximize the value and occupancy of your center. And next, we're going to talk to a broker about selling your asset and look at some uh, benefits and best practices there. If you'd like more from Mez Birdie, visit realvest.com. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. We'll be right back. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show, where we always like to have a good time. Well, you're invited to check out the Commercial Real Estate Show on YouTube. If you're listening on one of the 12 stations around the country, you'll find a great selection of videos like Reese on Real Estate and the Fed's view of commercial real estate. You're invited to subscribe so you don't miss a show of special interest to you. Just visit YouTube and search for the channel Commercial Real Estate Show. Well, today we're discussing retail real estate. Please welcome my next guest, John Harrison, VP, National Retail Group with Bull Realty. Bull Realty is a U.S. sales, leasing, and advisory firm headquartered in Atlanta. John has been in commercial real estate brokerage for 30 years. His practice is focused on acquisition and disposition of retail properties. John, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Michael. Nice to be here. Well, John, if a retail property owner has a stable asset, has good occupancy, it's got good remaining lease term on the major leases, it really seems like a, a great time to consider selling while interest rates are low and, and buyer demand is high. We just, we just heard that from Dan Fasulo. Mm-hmm. What do you see in the marketplace every day? Yeah, Michael, I think this is a great time to consider selling. Uh, retail's back in vogue. You know, retail took a hit in the market uh, during the downturn, and apartments were the product type that every investor seemed to want. Well, during the uh, cycle, 
uh, cap rates on um, institutional grade apartments have dropped. Uh, cap rates on retail have been reasonably high. So the, um, the, um, the comparison's good. So we're seeing a lot of investors now who are uh, looking favorably at retail. Yeah, it's a, it's a good time. And, and so let's talk about some strategies and, and tips for property owners uh, if they are considered selling. Mm-hmm. And all right, one of the main considerations is, is really is the timing, right? Sure. Timing's important. Uh, if you have partners as an investor, you know, consider your partners in the, uh, the sell or don't sell decision. Um, I would say the second thing you would look at, look at your uh, rent roll, look at your lease agreements. Uh, look at remaining term on your lease agreements. Um, if you've got two, three years remaining on a majority of your tenants, uh, particularly on an anchor tenant, <laughs> now may not be the time to sell. That's right. You know, get to a point where you can renew uh, either through an option or through a negotiated renewal and maybe put the market property on the market at that point. And you may also want to consider the maturity on your existing uh, debt service, right? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, if you've got a loan that's uh, due within a year, you know, now might be particularly a good time to consider selling. And consider your pricing. You know, the goal is to uh, generate competing offers mm-hmm. so that you can uh, generate your sell by loan maturity. Right. Some timing accordingly. And, yeah. And timing has a lot to do with that, right? Is it a, a like right now, for instance, uh, there's a lot of buyers in the marketplace and, and lenders are ready to go on, on retail now and they haven't been. Uh, so that's going to affect your pricing. And you also mm-hmm. want to maximize your income stream on the property, right? You talked about, you know, if your leases are too short, that can really hurt you. Right. Yeah. Look at your profit and loss statement. Uh, look at your rent roll. Uh, if you've got leases that you can renew now by approaching tenants and offering to do tenant improvements um, in exchange for a three to a five-year lease, that's money well spent. You know, go ahead and get um, uh, concessions up front. Uh, let those burn off prior to taking the property to market. Uh, it's all about capitalizing the highest income per year on your property. Yeah, good point. And you also want to look at your existing loan too, right, before you decide to go to market? Right. Look at your capital stack. Uh, If you've got a loan that has notice requirements to your lender prior to sale, make sure that you can honor those. Uh, If you've got yield maintenance issues, make those calculations now so that you know what the hit's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to deliver the property debt-free, which most buyers Mm -hmm. want today because the interest rates are so favorable, you want to know what that's going to cost you, right? Oh, boy. Absolutely. (laughs) That's a good one. And how about deliverables, John? Should you go look at what your deliverables that you're going to deliver to the buyer Mm -hmm. after they go under contract? Should you go look at those up front and, and, and see what a buyer might think of those? Sure. Look at your lease agreements. Lay them out in front of you. Make a good rent roll. Make sure that you as a landlord have fulfilled all of your obligations under that lease agreement. Uh, you don't want any surprises during a due diligence period. Make sure that your, your lease files have all of your lease amendments, uh, any letters, significant letters from tenants, you want to have those in the file. You want to be able to present those up front and not realize later that you missed something as a seller. Yeah, I think it's real important. And, and experienced brokers in the sector like you around the country can do that as well. They can look at all your deliverables and leases and kind of look at it in a buyer's eye right. and see, hey, this is the challenges I might have. Let's see if we can address some of these before we get to that point. And another thing that sellers will sometimes ask us is, you know, what about condition of the asset? What should we do there to improve the value? What gives them a good return? Right. Well, you know, first impression is important when you're when you first drive up into the sh- into the parking lot of a shopping center. Your first impression means something. So, uh, as a seller, consider restriping and resealing your parking lot. You know, consider 
doing a top coat of, uh, of paint. You know, consider improving your lighting. And for any vacancies that you have, you know, clean the vacancies out, replace ceiling tiles, and address them up so that they're in move-in condition. Uh, check your roof. Uh, you don't want to leave open-ended items that a buyer can look at and start questioning the way you've taken care of a property during your ownership. So do yeah. it now. Yeah, that's a great idea. Sometimes they'll get that first impression and, uh, and, and, and want to reduce that offer. And then I guess even if you're not going to make uh, an improvement, so let's say, for example, your roof has some age on it, mm-hmm. you can go ahead and get a price on that roof, right? So sure. the, the buyer's not coming out with a price that says, you know, that's going to be an $80,000 roof when you can get a bid for fifty. I'm going to do that up front. Make right. sure the buyer knows that, that you manage their expectations there. Well, we're going to have more tips on selling retail properties with John Harrison in just a moment. So stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We're excited to announce a new service on the show. It's called Ask Michael Bull. Every business day, I answer a listener's question on video. You can check it out at Twitter account, Ask Michael Bull, or on our YouTube channel, Commercial Real Estate Show. Well, today we're discussing best practices when selling retail properties with John Harrison with the National Retail Group at Bull Realty. And, and John, obviously when you're selling a retail property, the way it's actually marketed is very important, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah as a seller, the broker that you choose to partner with is a big decision. Mm-hmm. You know, it may not be the uh, broker that you play golf with or the broker that works for the largest firm in town. It may be um, a broker that convinces you that his marketing processes are the best. Yeah, and, and you want to actually look at what those brokers are actually doing when they market the property. Right, right. right. Yeah, if, we are, if we're marketing a, a $15 million larger retail asset, then it may well be that our buyer is in the database. Mm-hmm. So we focus on the database first. And how many people are in the database? Uh, thousands. Yeah. Big number. Yeah. Um, and on the marketing of a smaller property, say something under $10 million, mm-hmm. uh, that property may benefit from uh, aggressive exposure, you know, being on 17 marketing systems that we employ. Um, the database of, of, of investors that follow us, that uh, collect emails from us every month, is significant. Um, so you want to generate competing offers. That's the idea. Uh, you want a broker that participates with other brokers. It's all about uh, generating the most offers at the highest number for your seller. So the process with which you do that's important. And I think uh, one of the things you said that was really key there was a broker uh, cooperating with other brokers. But I think you know in the investment real estate world, a lot of brokers like us. I mean, I think I checked our retail mm-hmm. database the other day and had twelve thousand buyers. And right. I think we can get the feeling that you know we we have access to the buyers. But what we've also found is if we cooperate with all the brokers in the country, we share a fee with them, we create even more offers and more demand. Right. right. Yeah. And I met with an investor, incidentally, last night who had looked on our website. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're business people, they're IT people that are mm-hmm. generating cash mm-hmm. and looking to buy real estate. So the investors for 
the 25,000 foot shopping center may not be in anyone's database because they may be entirely new to the market. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Sometimes it's that buyer that maybe just sold his business or is new to the sector that might pay more. Right. And if you're a seller, uh, you know, you might want to find that buyer, right? Sure. <laughs> and we find some investors who are crossing uh, from one product type to another to, yeah. ju- to pick up a property with it may be a better uh, return. Yeah. You know, and also finding the foreign investors, too, that, that might not be uh, on the database because, you know, they're just coming to the U.S. or they're just coming to that, that region or that sector. And, uh, right. you know, having a currency converter, you know, in a translation uh, on your website and having the property there can be beneficial. Now, mm-hmm. when you're looking at all these different types of buyers and they're not just the database buyers, uh, you also have to vet these buyers, don't you? No, you do. Um, I delivered an offer this week from an investor out of um, Australia, and they have assets and acquisitions in other states, but nothing in Georgia. So I did some research to find out that, yes, they do have money in the bank. They've got the wherewithal to buy, and they like the Atlanta market. But you have to vet the buyer, uh, make sure that the offer you're delivering to a seller is one that will stand up. You need to know the... uh, uh, likelihood of closing? Are you dealing with a buyer that uh, has a reputation for retrading? These are all things that you want to help a seller consider while they're weighing competing offers. Now, that's a good point. And brokers like you that specialize all over the country in investment retail will know that about the buyers out there. Well, John, thanks for joining us today. Good. My, my pleasure, Michael. If you like more from John, visit bullrealty.com and look for John Harrison. And I want to ask you if you can join me next week. We'll be talking about the industrial market. I'm Michael Bull. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Atlanta Office Liquidators, new and used furniture liquidators, France Media, publications and conferences, and Bull Realty Commercial Brokerage, a great place to do business. For more information on these companies or to access additional podcasts, videos, or blogs, visit commercialrealestateshow.com.